You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Kura and Brazilian Tide. Yes, we acknowledge it is Remembrance Day, a very important day in Canada. We do hope that you were able to observe at least a moment of silence, if not completely attend a uh, ceremony that you have in your town. It's important to do that every year as we we seem to lose more and more of those veterans that, uh, look, fought for our freedoms and fought for our way of life. Uh, we're, there's less and less, you know, World War II veterans and of that era as time goes on, Ty. Well, and let's not forget like Korean War and yeah, all every, that on every, everything yeah. that we've had, you know, even in the last, you know, 30 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And even people that, you know, weren't able to serve overseas, but served here, uh, in various capacities. Uh, if you see a veteran, thank them. It's, it's not that hard. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. And this episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to What's the Cheese Miss? A podcast with an inside look on Pilipinic's identity in the diaspora. Cheese Miss is the Tagalog word for gossip. You can subscribe to hear weekly episodes about disappointing your parents, breaking it to your friends that you're not Italian, trying to figure out why you punched a car and much much more what's the cheese miss is produced by cjsr edmonton's campus and community radio station download it wherever you find podcasts and on what's the cheese miss dot transistor dot fm cheese miss is t-s-i-s-m-i-s ty what do you know about disappointing your parents everything <laughs> have are- you met me <laughs> We are in division finals week. There is some news to go through, though. It has been announced that Tegan Little Chief will be singing the anthem at the 109th Grey Cup. I've been in attendance at Mosaic Stadium where she's singing. And the anthem will be sung in French, English, and Cree, which I think is amazing for the CFL. Uh, the Edmonton Elks have extended... Offensive lineman David Foucault for two seasons, but I want to talk about Calgary here. John Huffnagel in the exit interviews, as we see when teams go to the locker room for the final time, says he's not going anywhere. He's going to be there for a few years, but Ty, I have to think that some of his coaching staff are going to be sought after targets from mm-hmm. other teams in this offseason coming up. And we've talked about it for the last three seasons, how Mark Killam yeah, it's probably like a head coach in waiting, whether or not it's probably not in Calgary with the situation with Dickinson, but somewhere he's been interviewed. He's gotten those opportunities. Just hasn't gotten the job yet. Like, I just don't know how long they can hold on to him unless he wants to stay there as a coach in waiting for Dickinson's job. 
I'm interested to see how the team is going to approach free agency. When this past free agency rolled around, they really didn't spend anything. But Ole Levi Mitchell, he's going to be at least $400,000 coming off the books. They have re-signed receiver Trey Odoms-Dukes. Maybe they will be active in free agency, which is not something we're all that used to seeing from the Calgary Stampeders. No, and I mean, it's a little bit of a transition just going from Bo to Jake, and I think they're kind of looking at that as an opportunity to maybe, they've got extra money now, a little bit. Uh, I don't think we see the signings that we saw last year from like, you're not going to see I don't think you see a lot of big names. I think you see them, you know, filling some holes, filling some depth, mm. uh, making sure that everything's kind of sound and then they can make another run. You don't want to spend, a, you don't want to spend $300,000 on Duke Williams. Do you? No. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would probably a fireable offense. I wouldn't see the stamps doing no. that. And they, their core is actually quite young, so I think they're going to be pretty good for the next little while. But you've mentioned it before. Part of the reason the BC Lions were able to have so much success this year is because of the the cheap contract on their superstar quarterback, Nathan Work, mm. allowed them to spend money in other places. Right, and I mean, yeah, you don't spend a lot. They got lucky with what Nathan Work turned into. If you're able to protect him and get him the weapons – I think, you know, further down the road, you probably want to focus more on your offensive line than you would receivers right. and stuff like that. So I think if Calgary is going to spend money, they would probably spend it. They're not stupid. They know what they're doing. Obviously, they've been the picture of success in the CFL when it comes to regular seasons. Uh, at, at some point, the cap will become an issue there and, and in BC as well when when those uh, when the contracts come up and maybe Rourke contract comes up and he's gone anyway and you're kind of right back to the drawing board anyways but you know when you have that young quarterback and you're able to work on the cap or able to work with the cap like that makes it a hell of a lot easier to add those pieces where you need them to have success with a young guy and then you can kind of build that core and there are ways to do it i mean winnipeg's got the highest paid player in the cfl Mm -hmm. and zach calaros but Rookie receiver, Dalton Schoen, uh, he doesn't come in on yeah. a big contract, but look what he was able to do this season mm-hmm. with the Ellingson missing. Yeah. Ellingson missing all that time was kind of, I know it sounds bad to say, but it, it, it they're lucky. Right, right. Like, it, it helped, it gives them a little bit of cap relief. And I, I mean, they were all, they were under the cap to begin with anyway, but this, that gave them a little bit of flexibility. The East Final on Sunday, the Toronto Argonauts home to the Montreal Alouettes. No head-to-head these, this season. The Argos winning two out of three games. Now, if you remember, the first two games separated by one point uh, each time. And then Montreal winning the last game of the season uh, the, in, the, in the game that really didn't matter. But they did win by five points. Inside the Eastern Division, the Argos are seven and three, where the Owls are 500 at five and five. Uh, they have identical away slash home records. Owls, Argos, five and four in their respective locations and slight favorites for the Argos here. Three and a half points where the over under is set at 48. Now, if I just look at the tail of the tape, comparing both teams, there are a couple things that stand out for me when it comes to the Argos. Last in rushing yards, last in time of possession. The number one team in the East, 
And those things kind of go hand in hand. If you struggle running the ball, you're not going to be able to control the clock, but that comes big come playoff time. Yeah, and with Andrew Harris reportedly healthy and going to be able to play, that adds a new dynamic now with him not being in game shape maybe as much as you would like, how much is he actually going to be a factor coming into Sunday? Because if he, if he can only dress and, or if he dresses and can only play, you know, a quarter and he can't do it or he gets hurt again, you have to have that backup plan and AJ Olet ready to go. And I think probably this week at practice, they're going to make sure that uh, both guys are ready to carry the load if they have to. And, and for them to have the least amount of rushing yards, I mean, when the season started, I don't think anybody really saw that. No. <laughs> Coming with who they had back there. Yeah. Uh, but it just worked out that way. And, and, I mean, they were second last in passing yards against. So you can throw on this defense. Which surprises me, too, because they lead the CFL in interceptions, 28. Yeah. So maybe it's the DBs taking chances and then little Nick Marshally. Yeah, and lots of times it, it, it did pay off for the team. But, and, and I know this, it, it kind of seems like a supercharged word when you're talking football. Is Andrew Harris a decoy? No, I, I feel like if they're going to put him on so. the roster. Now, the, the advantage is that he's Canadian. So yeah. if he's in there, that allows them some ratio flexibility, especially when it comes to the offensive line. Yeah, they off- might be I was to- just going to say they can put an extra American on the offensive line. Yeah, so th- that is a big advantage yeah. for them. And th- they are both, I think, A.J. Olette, Andrew Harris, both big bruising backs that are tough to bring down. and to Protect the football. And they're going to need to protect – McLeod as well. Mm-hmm. Seven sacks for the Montreal Alouettes against the Ticats last week in the East semifinal. You got to think they're going to be bringing the heat on MBT this week. Well, I mean, he's been shown to be mistake prone in his career and, and not just like, you know, unforced errors, although there are some of those. But if you can put pressure on him, it seems that mistakes can happen. That's true for any quarterback, but it just seems a little more predominant with McLeod Bethel Thompson. I don't know if that's because of what. Like every year we talk about him getting cut or, or, you know, how long can he have this job for? It just seems to be a narrative. I don't know if it's necessarily true or not, what his numbers are like under pressure compared to other guys. Uh, but with the way Montreal's off or defensive line and their linebackers have played, even just like the last four or five weeks coming down the stretch, they seem to find a groove. And I mean, if they can, if they can disrupt and not even necessarily blitz, if they can send, if they can get pressure with four, which they've shown they can do, and have eight guys back. I mean, it's going to be hell for McLeod Bethel-Thompson. It's kind of funny because McLeod Bethel-Thompson kind of gets a bad name sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the Argos are second in passing in the CFL. And I guess they've kind of had to be because they were last in, in rushing. Rush. Yeah. But second in passing yards in the Canadian Football League, he's had himself, I mean, a good season, but you're right. He always kind of does get the short end of the stick, 23 touchdown passes versus 15 interceptions. And there was that stretch in August uh, right through to October 1st, one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive games with an interception. So not going to want that to happen in the East final, but big picture when it comes to McLeod Bethel Thompson, this is, it's do or die time for him. And it sounds crazy because it is, 
It's only his second career playoff start. The first came last year against the Ticats in the East Final. But you got to think, if the job isn't done this time around, they're going to keep... Bo's job to have. That's... And I really think that the Argos will be major players in the Bo sweepstakes if they don't win this game, and maybe even if they even do. Even if they do, it just seems like there's no faith in MBT, and I... I get it to a point. I mean, you look at, I mean, yeah, they finished, they finished first last two years, but they haven't been dominant. They haven't been that team that, you know, comes out West and you're worried about them. Or like when you're going there, you're not overly worried about playing Toronto. You, there is weaknesses to their game. And especially when Andrew Harris went down, it seemed like there's a lot of pressure put on MBT and right, rightfully so. I mean, he's the leader and the quarterback and the guy's going to be leaned on. But I mean, it, even if he wins this game, and wins you a Grey Cup, I still feel like they're not going to care. And I don't know. I I don't know if that's a MLSE issue, a GM issue, Brian Dinwiddie. I don't know what it is, but it just seems like there's no faith there. We talk about Andrew Harris returning to the Argos lineup, but arguably, arguably maybe an even bigger addition is Winton McManus in the linebacking mm-hmm. core. McManus and Mwamba there and the D-line and, hey, credit to Montreal's front seven. And they've got linebackers that fly all over the place too and Beverett and Pickett and, you know, the D-line has has some players as well. But that Toronto front it's going to be really challenging for Montreal to get their rushing game going. And now they've got kind of the the three-headed thing. We know what we're going to get from Standback, and you know what you're going to get when Fletcher's out there. It just keeps teams off balance. It They'll get the ball to Fletcher, and he'll get like this 35-yard touchdown, and nobody saw it coming. So they're going to need Toronto's. That's a big challenge to keep Fletcher. And then even when they throw in Antwi in there, the Canadian who led the Owls in rushing this season, uh-huh. that is going to be a big factor for Toronto to defend on Sunday. Well, and the easiest way to defend that is to get an early lead. Yeah. You can play a really good defense against the run if you can play better offensively and get up by a score or two. It it just limits the options. The the longer or the later it gets in the game, it limits the options of what Montreal can do with their running backs. But if Montreal can get a lead, I mean, you can see any one of those three, whichever, because they might only be able to. Oh no, they should be able to get all three. And it's not like Calgary where they only had uh, the two. two they had them all three last week. And the fact that last week Antwi's Canadian, so that helps. That, yeah, that's a huge help. I mean, if they get if 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 Montreal's able to get you know, a 10-point lead, I think you see a heavy dose. Because Fletcher and, and uh, William Stanback definitely able to kind of be your workhorses. And Antwi, too, like you said, he led the team in rushing. Like, any three of those guys, as long as they can protect the ball, they can kill a lot of clock. And, and it's way easier to run from ahead, obviously. So if you're Toronto, you have to nip that in the bud. Like, you have to be able to match scores. Like, you cannot give them a two-touchdown cushion or a two-score cushion. Because then you're, you're, you're battling... Not only them, but you're battling the clock. The Alouettes, they're not really flashy. They're kind of middle of the pack in all of the categories, but they found ways to win as the season went on. I think it was seven of their last ten games they mm-hmm. won, and part of it is Trevor Harris. And the the style we've seen this year, 
It's not the most exciting stuff. They're not pushing the ball down the field. He's taken those high percentage throws, and it's just been enough to win <laughs> more often than not. So the how do the Argos force Trevor Harris to beat them? Now, it's almost like daring a guy that we know has the ability to throw yeah. for 450 yards if he yeah. has to. But, and, I mean, he's going to take those easy He's going to take those easy passes exactly. underneath. He's going to rely on his receivers to make plays. Do you want to play bump and run coverage? Do you want to crowd the line and try to try to bump these guys for those five yards? Well, if that if you do that, you get burned. I mean, you're giving up six. Like it's yeah. like if if a guy gets two, if a guy gets a step or two on you because you miss a jam, forget it. So, and but if you play off like you're opening up underneath, like it's just it's really tough. It, it it's you kind of you have to mix and match and and just hope because I mean, if they're they're obviously not going to be pushing deep, but I mean, so yeah, you're going to bump and you're going to jam and eventually that's going to come back to bite you because they're going to send they're going to send Geno deep, they're going to send Jake Winicky on a you know an eleven yard crossing route that gets in the soft spot like that's the thing that Trevor Harris can do with this style of offense that it does open up eventually for him. And you bring up Jake Winnicke, he has been a big uh, riser late in the season. Not the biggest factor all throughout the season, but the last few weeks. Fernando Pisani, man. Yeah. <laughs> 06. Big time touchdown. Jake has come on in the playoffs and late in the season. And what a valuable and perfect time for the Alouettes for him to yeah. come on. Not only on the back of Geno Lewis, but uh, now that you've got touchdown Jake to throw to, it just adds another element. It's to... almost like a deadline acquisition. Kind of. <laughs> he didn't have the best season. He didn't score any touchdowns until later. And all of a sudden, he starts scoring, becomes a bigger part of the offense. Like, oh, it's an addition. It's going to help Geno. It helps the run game. It helps the whole offense run better. Now, I, I, I think the pressure is on for the Argos here. They're a very veteran-heavy team. Mm-hmm. And that might be an organization that has a lot of changes coming this off season. I, I don't necessarily think the coaching staff will change, but on the player side, Hey, Brandon Banks, he's a veteran guy. He he's coming in and Dinwiddie says they're going to throw him back on returns here. They're going to try to get him involved in the play. And he started to, you know, gain more and more chemistry with McLeod Bethel Thompson. Andrew Harris, a veteran guy. The def- defense is full of veteran guys. It seems like if they don't win here, they might be in for some lean years in Toronto. Yeah, and I mean, it's it, it looks like a situation where it's kind of an all-in. It does. Uh, right, and they're not hosting. It's just the way that it kind of like last year they had that really good year. They've added to it with some guys made those changes and they're back in the East final again. But the thing is when you do that and you go all in, you have to be like the Rams. You have to win. The Rams future is screwed because they won a Super Bowl. And I guarantee you they wouldn't change that. Right. Right. So if, you, if you're the Argos and you lose tomorrow or on Sunday, yeah, like you said, it might be lean years for what? As right? long like, as like you win. said, you, if you win, nobody cares. 13. Yep. 2013, does anybody care what 
what happened the next few years to the riders. No. Because nope. nope. you do it again a hundred times over. No. But if you don't win, it's gonna it it sets you back. Are the Alouettes starting to uh like what's their plan going forward? Trevor Harris turns Oh Levi Mitchell. <laughs> every team. <laughs> That's gonna be the the strategy for every team in the yeah. CFL. <laughs> he turns thirty seven in May. Next year he'll be thirty seven. So uh Trevor Harris mm-hmm. is going against the team he started with in the CFL and the Toronto Argonauts and Chandler Worthy going against the team that cut him four times. He had a great yeah. game. How many against- times did how many times the Argos <laughs> cut McLeod Bethel Thompson? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Maybe it's uh MBT going to Montreal next year. <laughs> the uh the McLeod I, and Worthy connection. I think, that's the, I think that's the one team that I could definitely say I would want to play for. Would? Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably never make it to a game of practice on time if I lived in Montreal, but. <laughs> what a good time playing for Montreal. I yeah, love that. I'd be, I'd be broke. <laughs> this West final, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers home to the BC Lions. The Bombers looking for that third straight Grey Cup berth, looking to win the third straight Grey Cup. And they won two out of three games with the Lions this year. The Palmers 10 and one mm-hmm. against the West. The one loss obviously was against the Lions when they were resting their starters at BC Place a few weeks ago. BC eight and four inside the West, but the Bombers eight and one at IG Field this season. Their lone loss coming against the Montreal Alouettes. Four-and-a-half-point favorites this week for the Bombers. Might be minus nine on Sunday. The, the the Lions are downplaying the weather. The BC fans are downplaying the weather. Do you think it is a big factor for the West Final? 100%. I mean, BC's last uh, game was indoors. You know, they finished the season at home, I believe. Like, they haven't played an outdoor game in three weeks. The weather's turned. The last outdoor game, I guarantee you, wasn't below zero. Like, I think this is a huge issue. Not, not I shouldn't say issue, but it, it will be, it will be, it, it should be a storyline. I mean, there is an, there is adjustments to make. There is, you know, an issue to be, or I don't know if it's issues the right word, but, you know, cold does affect how you play the game of football and, and how you can handle being outside and, and, you know, guys that, you know, Winnipeg has practiced in it, lived in it, played in it. They play outside. They're not used to controlled conditions. Like I think BC, it's a little, it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, maybe in that first quarter, whether or not it, that's when they're going to have to make adjustments. They're going to have that first quarter figured out. Every hit hurts a little bit more. The football's a little bit tougher to handle. It's harder to kick. It's harder to the throw. Rock. Yeah, yeah, but that's what hurts playoff. to breathe. <laughs> that's what playoff that, football's that's all about. Normal though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is there anything wrong with me if it hurts to breathe? <laughs> like if my stomach doesn't kind of hurt and I feel a little nauseous, I figure I'm dying. Yeah, like what's wrong? Like I don't have any aches and pains right now. Yeah. Uh, what, what is weird. something's terribly wrong? 
Now, don't laugh too much. Like we'll get yelled at again. Yeah, that, that's true. I feel like the Lions come in here. Yeah, there's a game to lose, but I feel like they can come in very loose. Playing with house money, man. Without all that, I don't think they're expected to go into Winnipeg and win. Not not saying that they're expected to go into Winnipeg and lose and get crushed, but I, I think the pressure's on the champs. 100%. I think BC's a year ahead of schedule when it comes to like their rebuild, their progression. Like, I mean, West Final, first year as a starter for Nathan Rourke, it's a little crazy, right? There's no <laughs> pressure. No pre- Honestly, no pressure in a West Final. I got to turn my heat, my furnace off here. The, 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 the biggest factor, it's, it's going to be the weather. It's going to be the crowd. And they're, they're playing against the team that is just used to these situations now. And I, I think Rourke got a taste of it last week, playoff football in front of his home crowd. And now <laughs> going into the madhouse in, in Manitoba where <laughs> the madhouse on Madison, damn it. You know it. I know it is. I know it is. But those cowbells ringing through that November air, that's a different, different beast. And that that only happens in like the Western division because you weirdos love curling as much as I do. <laughs> But you know, with BC, like like you said, there's no pressure. They're not they're not expected to win like Winnipeg is. You know, they're a little bit ahead. Nathan works a rookie. It's his first West Final. If he loses it, big deal. Learning experience, grow. You got to lose before you can learn how to win. Is going to be the narrative, the story, and everything. So I think you know, as long as they don't get boat raced and lose by forty, I I, I don't losing isn't the worst thing in the world for BC. I works not a hundred percent, and that no. might be the the most obvious statement of the decade. But who is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. He was he was limping last week, but for the most part, the the Lions' offensive line was able to keep him protected. Now, towards the end of the first half against the Stamps, they started getting after them. They started hitting them, and that's when we thought, oh, maybe the Stamps got something here, but you know that the Bombers are going to be bringing the heat. And and they don't have to blitz to do it. No, and at times this season, it had seemed like the Bombers weren't bringing as much heat as we've gotten used to. But when the lights are bright and the game's on the line, they are a roster full of players that are there to make plays at the the most important times. So they're going to be here ready for the West Final by week or not. Now, we, we look talk at the about- major- you look at the majority of their starters, they're all they've been on both championship winning teams. These guys know what it takes, yeah. they know what they have to do. They're not going to be worried if they're down 7. Mhm. They're not going to be worried if, if BC scores early. Like you have to keep the pedal down, you have to make plays and they're just going to be- I, I think Winnipeg's just that little much better because they have the experience. So the Lions are in tough to keep work protected and as clean as possible. It looks like left tackle Joel Figueroa is trending to return That'll be in, huge. in this game. He didn't play against Calgary. So, yeah, that will be big. I don't think we're going to be seeing Lucky Whitehead here. I was going to say, I don't think we see James Butler getting 20 carries either. I think he's going to be kept in to block a little bit. And he's banged up. 
And yeah. he's been limited in practice. And it was obvious he wasn't feeling all that great against Calgary as well. So what kind of workload can he handle? Mm-hmm. Will the cold, will the weather affect the aerial attack from the Lions, which I think is something that they they need. And in this one, <laughs> there's a lot of offensive firepower. And I think the Bombers are different that way this year. Kolaros has always been a magician on second down. It can be second and long. You think the play's done. And then, okay, a receiver finds a soft spot in the defense. Yeah. Kolaros finds him. How do the Lions limit those plays? Sometimes it seems like the best defense can't stop the plays no matter what they try. Well, I mean, you get him scrambling, but he's he's proven that he can still scramble. He can still get those plays done on the run. Uh, you know, and that group of receivers is so good at coming back to the ball when he is flushed from the pocket. And I mean, the longer he's able, the longer he's able to scramble and st- keep those plays alive, the harder it is for the defense because now there's no routes. Like you can kind of, like when a guy makes that corner route, you know where he's going. You can follow him. Now, when it turns into that schoolyard stuff, you have no idea. Yep. And, and you have guys like Dalton Schoen, who like ninety percent of his touchdowns are <laughs> with Galaros on the run, right? Uh, they those receivers, they're so good. If Nick Dembski's healthy, he's a different animal. Like he totally changes that offense. Like there's just so many options for Kalaros. Uh and if if. If BC can't get pressure with four, their secondary is going to be in a hell of a lot of trouble because if you got to send extra guys, that's a lot of one-on-one battles. At least BC with does no have a, has a very veteran defensive mm-hmm. group in the secondary there, so that will be good. And I, I'm just looking at the the offensive weapons here. Like last week, we had uh, Geno Lewis going against Tim White, some great receivers there. And now we've got Dalton Schoen, 1,441 yards, going against Dominic Rimes, 1,401 yards. But then teams are in trouble if they forget, like you said, Nick Dembski. Winnipeg's in trouble if they forget Brian Burnham, which sounds crazy. How Uh can you forget about Brian Burnham? I don't think you can, especially after the catch he made. And the Bombers this season, they did have. Actually, both of these teams, to the yard, gave up the same amount of passing yards. (laughs) First place in the CFL, Uh 4,565 yards. To the yard. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) That's absolutely nuts. Um, You know, and... Winnipeg's defense the last, you know, since O'Shea got there has been pretty formidable. And then once Jefferson showed up, it just went to a whole nother level. And you see that passing yards against, like you said, tied for first rushing yards, second uh, or rushing yards, third, sorry, against their turnovers are plus 14, second in the league. Yep. And I mean, six more than BC in third, like it, it's going to come to, yeah, we, you want to talk about the offenses and, and, and you know what? What does BC have to do to to get those that aerial attack going? What can Winnipeg do to make to you know, or is Winnipeg or is BC going to be able to get pressure? And what can Claros do with that? What can, are the defenses are going to have to make plays because you can't have you know you don't want if you're a coach you don't want to see a 35-35 game going overtime. If if if, if your quarterback and your receivers can protect the football, 
you got a really good chance to win this game, especially in the cold weather. It's harder to hold on to, like you were saying. It, it's basically a rock. And with both of these teams' secondaries, there's a lot of veterans in there. They know what they're doing. It's just who's going to step up and make the plays. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bombers are second in points for, first in points against. BC is third in both department departments, but I think the Bombers separate themselves from everyone on second down. Uh, 56.2%. The Lions are 6% behind that in yeah. second place. So when the Bombers are having success on first down, running the ball with Oliveira, that's... Oh, and getting second and man, like second yeah. and six, second, five, second, four manageable shorts. Like it's, it's, it makes a huge difference. And the best time of possession in the league and Brady Oliveira just a shade over. By a second, Travis. That's not. Okay, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I see that. 30-57 versus 30-56. But I would say both offenses uh, did it a little bit differently. It was yeah. uh, especially early in the year, like Rourke would go on like a seven-minute drive. or But then Rourke could also have 20 possessions in a game. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, early on, it would be like a three-play, yeah. 75-yard drive yeah. at 8.56 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And at halftime, they have 49 points. What the hell happened? <laughs> and when Edmonton's letting them do that over and yeah. over again. And Edmonton was letting everybody do that. It adds up. <laughs> it, it does look like Alexander Hollins. He'll be ready to go, and he'll get into the lineup if mm-hmm. Lucky Whitehead can't go. But then you can't forget about Keon Hatcher with the Lions – as well, it Javon Katoy is still a big body, and you know what? He's healthy. We still haven't even mentioned special teams. Two mm-hmm. times this season, Janarian Grant had a return touchdown against the Lions, and he had one called back due to an illegal block. So he had yeah. a kick return against them. He had a punt return against them. And early in the season, special teams was a weakness for the Lions. But they're really going to need to make sure that they're in as good as field position as possible. And Janarian Grant is as good as, as anyone at flipping that position mm-hmm. and tilting it in Winnipeg's favor. I mean, and usually the less punts you have, the better chance you have of winning a football game. Uh, and you're obviously going to be scoring more points the less you punt, but you're giving Janarian Grant yeah. less of an opportunity to make those big plays, and that's huge. And we saw that. When Banks was in Hamilton, nobody you didn't want to kick to him. You you yeah. had to worry about it. Gizmo and Edmonton, like not only flip field position, like that's a, that's a seven point swing. Like mm-hmm. it, it's huge. Special teams, we talk about it. Like you got to win two out of three, offense, defense, special teams. You got to win two out of three to have a, like a really good shot. And you know those special teams touchdowns, especially the return touchdowns, like not like block punt one. Yeah. Well. Doesn't really matter. Any any special team touchdown just seems to be deflating to the opposition. It's a dang. And you gotta take you gotta take advantage. This episode of Two and Out brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Now, winter is officially still over a month away on the calendar. But are you saying that winter is coming? <laughs> yes, uh, allegedly. Uh, this is still fall. I, it's autumn. Why do you call it fall? Because the leaves fall down. Like, no, it's autumn. Autumn in Alberta is three weeks long. It's three days. <laughs> you wake up and it's mine. I woke up one year on my birthday. It was minus two. I'm like, this. <laughs> 
Energy usage in Alberta has increased, so now's a great time to check your utility bills and ensure you're on the best plan. It's really easy to switch, and you have the choice of who to pay your utility bills to in Alberta. So Park Power is happy to provide a free, no-obligation comparison if you decide to switch providers it's really easy and you'll know that you'll be supporting a local business that helps give back to our communities learn more at parkpower.ca all right who are we gonna see in the great cup tie montreal winnipeg has never happened uh we we could see which is crazy to me uh Andrew Harris playing his former team, the magical Nathan Rourke. I I think there are some great combinations here, no matter what happens. Because, hey, Winnipeg Mm -hmm. being the first team to win three in a row since the late 70s, early 80s Edmonton teams, that's that's they're on a remarkable run, man. And there's there's no doubting that. No, I mean, they. As as Ryder fans, it kind of seems like we should be infuriated and pissed off, but they've it it, it it's just so hard. Other than you know Neely making me walk around Regina, I don't in my boots at four a.m. looking for Burger King that wasn't open. I I don't hate Bomber fans. I I feel like they are classier than Ryder fans. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> and. Uh... When I partied with Bomber fans in 2011 in Vancouver, it really opened my eyes. Uh, yeah, they know how to support their team, and right now seem like mm-hmm. the flagship of the Canadian Football League. That being said, it does look like we might be able to get 20K at BMO for the East Final, which will look great on TV. Well, it's not that far to drive from Montreal, so... <laughs> It will sound great. Hey, that, that's going to make some Argos fans angry. <laughs> Ooh, all two of them. <laughs> but, hey, the Canadian Bowl is happening this Saturday in Regina. The Okanagan Sun taking on the Regina mm-hmm. Thunder. And the U Sports playoffs are well underway. Last week, the semifinals in uh, in Saskatoon. <laughs> In the blizzard, you you can hardly Mm -hmm. see the field. But the Hardy Cup is happening on Saturday. Huskies in UBC, the Dunsmore Cup, Montreal, Laval, the Yates Cup, Queens in Western, and the Loney Bowl, Mount Allison and St. FX. We went went to school with a Mount Allison alum. We did. He was the starting quarterback. Oh, yeah. Jake Hotchkiss. Uh, I was also uh, in first aid for two days on my days off. Thank you to our lead lead safety guy doing a bang up job to let my ticket expire. Even though it is legally my responsibility, like it's yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, but there was a kid in there who said, "Yeah, I just got a job with LNL Oilfield. Need my first aid ticket. I'm only going to be working here for a year. I'm going to BC to play football. He's going to play." Uh, I asked him today, "Am I going to play for Okanagan Sun? Or are you going to go? Are you going to Eusebury? I'm going to play junior. He's going to go play for Okanagan Sun." So oh, nice. Nice. Maybe we need an interview. I can uh, probably find him. Okay. Okay. Lock it in, Ty. Who are you picking? Toronto, Winnipeg. Yeah. I'm taking the home teams as well. And uh hey. And and it, and for the record, Winnipeg could win the rest of the great cups of all time as long as the Jets never win a cup. <laughs> now what if they trade franchise histories with the uh, Phoenix Coyotes? Would you be okay with that? I don't even know if that's no. possible. <laughs> no, no, no. Their their franchise records are Atlanta. Okay, yeah. I'm just tired of hearing about <laughs> like Jets 2.0 records. It's not a thing. 
now that Dennis Byack's gone, like, thank the Lord. So Ilya Kovalchuk, the greatest Winnipeg Jet of all time. <laughs> thank you. Oh, you can rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. Like, you can ring the bell, leave a comment on YouTube as well. And we will talk to you on Sunday, recapping the division finals. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.